0: Hello and welcome to Teacher Talk. I'm Matt Snyder.
1: And I'm Rachel Bander.
0: Um, So, Rachel, do you want to catch us up on what we did last time?
1: Yes. In our first ever episode uh, last time, we discussed the definition, science and implications of the growth mindset. And we also talked about um, the fixed mindset and uh, how that can hinder us and our students. We also defined and explored real-life examples of the power of growth mindset thinking as uh, some scientific research behind the growth mindset movement. And in addition, we also concluded uh, with brief discussion of the famous Carol Dweck's uh, TED Talk about the power of yet, which was great. (laughs)
0: uh, Always love to listen to Carol Dweck. Um, Yeah. So today, I thought we would we could take a brief step away from theory and actually get to the to the uh, meat of the matter and talk about how we can actually implement a growth mindset classroom. So we're we're going to talk about one specific activity today um, called the pit activity, um, and it kind of describes how learning occurs. Um, we're, we've got a couple of cool sound clips to help you remember. Uh, the different stages of the pit of learning. Well, that sounds yeah. ominous. The pit of learning. No, I love yeah. it.
1: I'm going to clarify a little bit there. The learning pit um, was developed by James Nottingham. Um, in, and I believe it comes out of uh, Northumberland in the UK. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, and it was designed in 1999 um, by a working teacher and, um, and who who had been part of a television show. And uh, I guess uh, during the filming, they had been asked how, uh, how they explained to their pupils uh, why they thought challenge in particular was good for them. Um, and that's where I guess he got the idea that, you know, he thought about it and, and thought about that uh when students are learning they're going through a storm or or a pit they they go through a process it's that learning uh process um and he used i guess the analogy the the pit analogy um and he and he later down the road uh switched that into four stages to the model um which i believe was concept conflict construct and consider Um, and he he apparently first published this in i guess 2010 Um, But either way, regardless, um, there's definitely um, a lot of values of the learning pit um, that uh, teachers and educators uh, find very useful um, Uh, uh when it comes to students. Sorry.
0: And that's that's very interesting because that's actually not where um, I came up with this activity. I didn't co- actually come up with this activity. Um, this activity has actually been published in uh, Joe Bowler's book, Limitless Mind, which I think was actually, interestingly enough, developed separately from, uh, what was the name of the gentleman you were talking about? James Nottingham. James Nottingham. Okay. So uh, it looks like it was developed separately or maybe... Um, There were some cross uh, implications there. So, yeah, uh, I guess repetition in research (laughs) is always a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I did want to also add that we would be going into uh, designing some growth mindset lessons and what that might look like in a couple of different classes. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: So our first sound clip is uh, kind of what our students are going to look at when they are first presented with a problem that they find that they don't f- feel like they can do. Um, and we've all seen this, but I think the the best uh, place to go for some of these sayings is sci-fi and, and Yoda. <laughs> Master That's Yoda, here. near and dear to our heart. <laughs> oh, no. We'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Always with you, what cannot be done. Do you nothing that I say. Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. You want the impossible. All right, so.
1: Mm-hmm. I, One of the things that he says there that I, I absolutely love is he says, you must um, learn, you must unlearn what you have learned. And I think that's true um, in, a, in a sense. Does that make any sense? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I mean, I see that all <laughs> the time in the uh, math classroom where they have to, th- they go from this okay, this is the way I solve this problem and I only solve it this way.
1: Exactly.
0: And then they come up to a point where that method isn't going to work. And right. they have to fi- develop a new method. Um, yes. And I, I think that's one of the weaknesses in the curriculum pre-common core is there wasn't a value placed on knowing all these different methods. It's mm-hmm. it's really like a toolbox that we're trying to get students to um, develop and design and, and put in their own tools in their own way. So it makes sense to them.
1: Um,
0: mm-hmm. I mean, I, I very clearly come from a very hardcore math background,
1: yep. <laughs> um,
0: but I see the same thing in a literacy setting where we're trying to teach yes. them how to read and decode. Yeah. Um, and, and it's ironic to me that we don't teach math more like a language. Math is, is really describing things using Mm -hmm. quantifiable figures and we don't teach it that way we we teach it as a process and it's really Mm -hmm. not do you see that same kind of thing in other subject areas ray
1: yes actually i do i actually uh was in a social studies class um i I had to i was at the time a one-on-one aid with a student um who was learning history and because he had uh difficulty with um reading comprehension he was given an assignment that had that was a and he had to uh read the information and answer the questions but because he struggled with the uh reading comprehension part you know uh navigating the um answers was incredibly challenging for this particular student, um, so uh, I there again. Once again, I guess you know, I saw a lot of things going on where he was uh, doing what I'd like to call sort of escapism behaviors. He was fidgeting. He was getting up. He was like saying, "I need to go to the bathroom," like any kind of excuse not to sit down and face the challenge of his, of his work. If that makes sense.
0: So uh, um, that, that makes total sense. Um, and and actually, it kind of. Reminds me of a quote that uh, my dad and I were talking about. Uh, I don't. Re- I don't remember who said it, but the quote goes something along the lines of: "Kids will do well if they can." That's true. That's Stud- true. Students want to do well, and what what leads to the, this fixed mindset is two reasons, um, as mm-hmm. as Carol Dweck has said in the past. They either fear getting something wrong because they've had experiences where their mistakes weren't valued and they're afraid to make mm-hmm. a mistake and, and look stupid. And then the other kind of fixed mindset, which is a little bit more, um, it's, it's a little harder to detect is the student has experienced a great level of success mm-hmm. and they don't want to return to a place where they're uncomfortable. Right, um, and right. that kind of leads us into our next sound clip. I think. Um, okay. Where we're talking about Star Trek, one of my favorite series, <laughs> um, okay. and there's always a problem that they have to solve, and yes. you know, it it always looks hopeless in the beginning, and and I'm going to mm-hmm. leave it right there as as we play this next clip for you guys.
1: Okay. Scotty, I can't change the laws of physics.
0: I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. You're a healer. There's a patient. That's
1: an order. That may be impossible, sir. Things are only impossible until they're not, yes, sir.
0: Scotty. And
1: can I just comment on those uh, sound clips? In each one of those sound clips, they have someone telling them they can do it. You know, it's only impossible until it's not. You know, I, somebody is telling you you can do it. You know, somebody is saying, "Damn it, I'm a you know I'm a doctor. I'm not any. I'm an engineer. I'm, you know, someone is telling them." You're not just that, you know. You're more than that, and in a way, that is the educator's role—to to be that um, positive mentor and that positive role model, and to encourage their students and say, "You're more than that. It's okay, you know. Don't shut down. Don't um, don't put yourself down. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be your own worst enemy. There's more to you, and you're you're capable of more. And we believe in you."
0: Right, and you know what's key. Is that person mm-hmm. doesn't have the same skill set as the person he's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the same background. Doesn't have the same knowledge. Right. Uh, you know, Captain Kirk was the captain of the Enterprise because he was a leader. He was he pulled mm-hmm. the best out of people. Captain Picard, well, he was a scientist and a, a, a student of uh, history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it wasn't his specialty to work as a scientist he was a leader he was pulling the best out of the best people he had right um and I I think that's very crucial in the very beginning when that when the students
1: isn't that the same with a teacher they bring out the best in their students and they know the capabilities you know um the strengths and weaknesses of every individual student
0: right and i think what's also interesting about that particular sound clip was it was a bit of a rebuke to commander data at at the end things are only impossible until they're not you know sometimes they need that kind of sharp no you're not giving me your best right now and that's what i expect out of you
1: yeah Yeah. well not all students can bring their best every single day you know unfortunately you know when when some things you know when there's issues you know outside of the, the classroom it's it's uh, not always easy for students to be able to bring their best and brightest and be ready.
0: Well, I, I, I kind of approach that uh, a little differently. Do our best in, in my...
1: And do what we can to meet their basic needs and, uh, you know, provide a safe environment.
0: Right. And, and I think this is a place where we kind of differ in our uh, teaching styles. Um, mm-hmm. I pull out I try and pull out the best of my student on that day. I know mm-hmm. I, I'm not necessarily looking for them to be at the tip top of performance every day but I I do mm-hmm. make it known that when you walk into my classroom you're gonna give me the best you have that day and it may and mm-hmm. I, and it may be different from day to day it may not be um, that you're gonna be well, I am sure a, as long as that giving you
1: something as opposed to shutting down I mean that's right that's what we don't is, is the shutdown you know and the kids just Decided they've had enough. They're not right. doing anymore, right. and uh, that's happened before. You know, I've had a student that got so frustrated, when this was in a special education classroom, um, that they, you know, pushed their chair from their desk and, uh, you know, threw it. <laughs> and that was <laughs> been there that before. They, did. they threw the chair. <laughs> they threw the chair, and um, you know, they were so angry that they wanted to punch the wall because they just had that. They, it was all pent up. Yeah. I wasn't going to get the best out of them that, that, in that moment. We know that. Um, but I think there was just other things at stake. But once, once he got over that, and I always believe tomorrow is another day. So, okay, it wasn't great today. This happened, that happened. But, you know, once you deal with that and address it, I, um, I believe the next time things can be a lot better,
0: you know, and a I, lot easier. You-
1: And I always reflect too, what made him, what was it about that lesson that he got so frustrated about? What was it that he feel that he wasn't capable of? You know, what, you observe it as as a teacher, you think back and look and go, okay, what was happening before that? What was happening after it? You know, why did he get so frustrated? And what can we do? Um, you know, I say avoid it in the future, but these things always happen here and there. So, um,
0: yeah, and, and sometimes, especially in a uh, special education setting, mm-hmm. the best thing you can do at that moment is, all right, Jimmy, I let's, let's go fire. for a walk. Let's go for a walk. I don't know it
1: that, but that's what it is. We're putting I, out fires. You know, if you've got a kid that is yeah, is banging his head, we want him to be safe. I mean, so the other students are safe, but we end up, uh, yeah, yeah, going for a walk or do what that student needs in that moment to, um, you know,
0: learn how to solve common and and when but, I was a uh, TA in a in a BOCES classroom what yes. I would do sometimes is I would take and we would actually walk laps not like hard fast you know I'd, I'd almost let the student decide the speed as long as it was safe and reasonable um, hmm. and the first lap I didn't say anything to the to the student um, the second lap is when I started okay bud what's going on you you want to talk yeah. about it you know you have to give them space to feel their frustration right in order to that's build it. that that trust that's mm-hmm. going to let you move them beyond it and exactly and it it's you know the best of them that day is yes. them is the student understanding that they're upset and and getting a yes. student to realize why they were upset
1: exactly
0: and and it's hard like i said i was in a preschool room they're capable mm-hmm. of it and and i think a mistake that a lot oh, of yeah. teachers make is we get we put these labels on kids and we assume that they're not capable of well of a lot of things i was
1: a pre-k teacher as well um And I I was uh, the lead pre-K teacher and I I, I have to agree with that um, assessment. I felt to a degree that excuses were being made for children because they were younger. Um, And there was just a natural assumption that they're younger and therefore aren't as capable of understanding concepts or behavior. And I don't, I don't believe that at all. Like I think, you know, um, if you can, if you make it clear what your, your, routines are Make it clear what your schedules are if you make it clear uh what's expected of them it does take additional time but they get that you
0: know um, Ab- absolutely um so and and this is usually where i find this the second stage they're they're they get frustrated because they th- they think that right. they can't do it and, and that's why I, I tend to – I mean, of course, you've got to know your student. You've got to understand where they're at. Um, but this is where I find that I need to push them a little bit more. I need to push mm-hmm. them past this point of frustration um, for them to be um, successful. Um, and and really, it, it's kind of – that kind of leads us very nicely into our next clip Um so now we're leaving the sci-fi realm and we're going more into the fantasy realm with um, The Lord of the Rings. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll just leave it there.
1: Yeah. The beacons
0: are lit The beacons are lit! Gun for eight, And Rohan will answer of the row, hear him. All right, so, you know, it's not always going to come from a teacher. Ideally, it will not come from the teacher, in my opinion. Ideally, their help will come from themselves. Ideally, the student will reach a point where, oh, this first piece makes sense. Now that I know that this first piece makes sense, I'm going to play around with this other piece until something fits.
1: And as we were talking about with the growth mindset, to me, that's that aha moment, you know, that, ah, we're finally uh, starting to understand it. We're starting to.
0: Right. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that they're not good. making a mistake.
1: No, that's um,
0: true. In in my experience uh, towards the elementary end of education, we're terrified of having the student make a mistake. Um, I yes. I
1: have,
0: I have yes. taught in an elementary classroom and I remember having that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, this was also before I knew about the growth mindset and, and knew that mistakes were a huge piece of learning. You have mm-hmm. to make a mistake to learn something. If you are not mm-hmm. struggling to understand something, you are not learning something. You're merely repeating what you already know. Right. Um
1: and it leads the students into a full sense of security um, and full sense of confidence if they think they've mastered the material, um, you know, and, and, and you know, that's not the case, that there's the still some more learning that needs to be done.
0: Ab- absolutely. And this is where it becomes very important not to belittle a student for making a mistake. And, and I, I am okay. using a, a strong word there. Mm -hmm. because when you are overly negative about a student's performance about a student's efforts they Mm -hmm. learn to not put forth an effort because it's not valued um i see this in Mm -hmm. multiple places that i have worked in i have seen this outside of education and it's what leads to burnout Mm
1: -hmm. students
0: experience burnout just like a teacher experiences burnout oh yeah yeah and and I don't think we recognize that enough sometimes and (laughs) this is the key point where it happens if you are continuing to work and work and work and work and you feel like you're not making any progress and you've got somebody coming down coming at your throat for for making a small mistake
1: yeah
0: you know what's your incentive to do better
1: well exactly yeah and it's not helping the student (laughs) I don't feel it's even remotely helping the student um, if you're sort of making them feel uh, bad about the lack of progress that they've already made, you know, um, berating them using a sort of, um, I don't want to say derogatory tone, you know, using a tone that is sharp, you know, make it, they're not, obviously they don't, um, they don't want to make mistakes in the first place, I'm sure they're not doing it deliberately, Um you know, I think there's a certain amount of a pressure uh, pressure on educators, um, you know, because of the way we're evaluated. And, um, you know, I think, you know, in this particular world that we're living in, especially right now with the quarantine and the distance learning, I think there's a lot of pressure on teachers to um, keep things going um, and, and keep things going as well. Um, and that's not easy, you know, <laughs> they have a lot going on. Um, so, yeah.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Um, You've got to know how to press your students. I had a a math teacher in um, high school and I believe he's still uh, teaching. So I'm not going to say his name because um, unfortunately, while he was one of my favorite favorite teachers, he would be ridiculed for some of the things that he did in his classroom, even though he got very good results and he got very good results because he knew that he was pressing us to be better. Um, Mm -hmm. I made certain that I was careful with my work. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't, he would never harass you for making a mistake, but he would kind of pick on you pretty heavily if you made the same mistake over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me that was a motivating factor for another girl in my class um, she did shut down because of it so you really have to know and change your Mm -hmm. style to suit your students and to you know for me it was perfect that was the help I needed Mm -hmm. I I needed someone to say hey you're being a bonehead stop it yeah but for other people they need that okay you made a mistake that's okay let's move on Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's not easy. I think as educators, it's not easy to get that balance, you know, Uh, but you're completely right. What works for one student and what works for another is just two different things.
0: Right. And I should add that if you told me I made a mistake, it's okay, let's move on. I'm not going (laughs) to fix that mistake. I need that person to sit there and be on my butt telling me that I need to, to work harder at getting things right the first time. I need, mm-hmm. I need someone to drive me. Yeah, to do to do better. Um it's well, so, the
1: difference between a motivated student and a non-motivated student. You know, um, it's like there's a difference between somebody who's struggling to uh, learn the material hmm. and somebody who doesn't want to learn the material.
0: Right, and I would actually say that um, the uh, girl that who was in my class was actually trying very hard to learn the material. She Mm -hmm. just had a uh, more meek personality than I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was very intelligent, very smart. It was actually a pre-calculus class that I was in. So we're Mm -hmm. dealing with some intelligent students. Um, I don't think any of us were accelerated. We were seniors for the most part in the class, a couple of juniors who were accelerated. but that is the environment that I needed to be in to thrive. And I, I still respect him to this day. I, I saw him um, uh, a couple months ago, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, finally, teacher and student were kind of yeah. both teachers <laughs> now. We were both, we happened yes. to be at an establishment uh, which was offering uh, beverages. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, okay. I I walked up to him and said, "Thank you for driving me. Thank you for pushing me."
1: Oh, that's but, great.
0: But that's that's not the reaction he would get out of all of his students.
1: No, not at all.
0: You know, so um, but he allowed me to have the the type of confidence that's in our next sound clip. It's one of my favorite um lines out of any movie, um, and I'm just gonna leave it right there you will be dead men a thousand nations of the persian empire descend upon you our arrows will blot out the sun then we will fight in the shade you know and at the end of the pit that's where our students should be they should have mastered it so well that you know they could face the persian army with their knowledge um I, I, it's just one of those quotes, you know. The, those. The, I
1: love that quote, particularly for that reason, because it shows their determination and drive to continue onwards and fight onwards, regardless. We're not scared. We're we don't. We're moving forward, regardless. Well, and you know the, the we continue, can't stop us.
0: The entire premise of the 300 Spartans. You know, I, I love it because it's a it's a classic uh, story you know handed down from generations and to this day we talk about the 300 Spartans who mm-hmm. stood up against impossible odds just because they knew it was the right thing to do they knew that they weren't coming home they but they knew that they, they loved their country so much that they were willing to die for it in, in a, so that the rest of their country could live on um and and they they fought so fiercely that they turned around an army that outnumbered them at least 10 to 1 Mm -hmm. you know there it's it's all kinds of growth mindset stuff going on in there
1: I love it yeah it's a great clip
0: so the idea of the pit Mm -hmm. activity is really that we want to have our students come up with their own learning pit we want them to understand Mm -hmm. that there is a you're going to get something and you're going to have that deer in the headlights moment you're going to then feel like it's impossible and unfair, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden something's going to click, and you're going to exactly. start to gain confidence, and then you're going if to reach Skywalker mastery. Luke Skywalker can
1: do it, so can you.
0: If Luke Skywalker can do it, so can you. Uh, exactly. Was there was there anything you wanted to add there, Rachel? I know I've been uh, quite verbose lately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, no, you pretty much covered everything um, in that in that regard. Um, you know, in regard to the learning bit. And, and then getting to that other side is, is really great, um, and very rewarding when that student does reach the end of that uh, you know journey, and uh, gets there and and is uh, has learned something, and um, you know you can see the confidence um, in in that student, and you know they uh, they're smiling, their, their, their demeanour changes, their attitude changes. Um and they realize something about themselves. You know, it's like you see the self-discovery. And that's one of the things that I love about being an educator is being there for those moments where they're, um, like I said, with the growth mindset, that the ha-ha moment, oh, we got this, we we figured this out. Um, I had a student um, who really struggled with math and it was just, it's the same instance. You know, it took a very long time, but every morning, every day, I would spend more time with him um, if I could, and we got there, and he learned it. But it was not easy for him. It was it, 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 again. It was a I think sixth grade math, Comic-Con math. So it was, It really was brand new, and it wasn't easy for him. He right. had a lot and, going on. And, and he didn't, and didn't
0: have the, He didn't have the scaffolding he needed.
1: No, uh, he didn't. No, he didn't have uh, supportive parents. He just. Unfortunately, had a lot going on, and and you know, in and out of school. I mean, and he was very distracted. And I think he took one look at the comic book math and felt instantly frightened of it. You know, he Mm -hmm. he just Mm -hmm. saw, like you say, it's like a language. You know, uh, when people can learn to read, it's great. It's like they once they've read, you know, they can read all these books. Um, But I think he just took one look at what was being asked of him. Uh, and just instantly, again, shut down and thought he couldn't do it. So uh, we broke it down or I gave him other problems. I showed him, you know, used manipulatives, used different, tried to different strategies and methods with one that would help him see the problem in, in a different light. Um, and, you know, at first he was pushing his worksheet away and saying, no, nope, can't do this. No, I'm not doing this. No, I'm, And, you know, he would sort of do the eye roll or he'd look away. Um, and that's what we got. And then, you know, after, I think he realized after about a week, not even that, that it, it was not, that being like that, that being resistive was not going to suddenly make this work go away. We weren't suddenly going to say, okay, fine, don't do it then. He realized that every, every morning this, that this work was going to be here and if we shut down, it would be there the next day and it would be there. And he had to confront it. And, um, once he confronted the fact that he had to do this work and he had to learn this particular um, math problem and, well, this particular, I can't remember what it was, but he decided, okay, fine, I'll do this bit. Fine, I'll do that bit. Fine, and then soon, you know.
0: (laughs) Soon you could (laughs) handle a a worksheet of the same problem and you would be able to, oh, well then, fine, we'll do it in the shade, you know. Yes kind of thing
1: i once realized that i was determined and i sat with him every morning and he realized that that wasn't going to go away until he'd done this you know that he he that he needed to he needed to learn it and once he learned it once he was able to solve those problems it was like see you could do it what what were you talking about you can't do it
0: it's just so unfortunate that we can't sit with all of the students who need that kind of support Yeah, it is. With our class sizes being what they are. I I see my kids uh, 40 minutes a day per class. Um, Mm -hmm. Some days I will see them 80 minutes that might change this next year because I teach a math lab for the course that I teach. I bet you
1: don't even see lunch, do you? Do you get a prep time?
0: I do. I'm fortunate enough I get two prep times and a lunch. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Being honest with the population I work with, they're great kids. They are mm-hmm. awesome kids. I, I really enjoy um, working with my kids, but they have a lot of needs outside of school and yeah. the amount the sheer amount of energy required to address those needs before we even talk about content mm-hmm. um, is is overwhelming and on the scale that it is for for the population I'm servicing.
1: I feel like so much more is expected of the educator. You know, we have to meet that counselor. We have, you know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of us do so gladly to serve the students, um, but it can be also very draining for the educator. Um, Professor Dr. Harvey at SUNY Potsdam, he told me once an analogy about a bucket full of um, apples. And he uh, he got this from, uh, I think it was called Invitational
0: Education, uh, probably, right, yeah.
1: Right, that's right. Where if you have, um, you know, a, a bucket full of apples, and you keep giving your, you know, your attention to this person and your this to that person, and you keep giving out apples. You know, you have nothing left to give. You have no more nothing, no more apples left um, out of that basket. So I think you know we give so much during the day of ourselves as educators you know, to providing a good curriculum, to providing, you know, a, an interesting, engaging lesson, uh, to, to being, you know, I mean, we go through so much, you know, dealing with a lot of work, um, emails and, and, you know, IP meetings. We're dealing with a lot, a lot of things. Uh, and I think, you know, it can be very exhausting and very draining. Um, you know, we need to remember that we need to think about ourselves and, and make a little more time for ourselves, but we don't. There's no time to have. <laughs> right? If that makes any sense. I, you know?
0: I think we could have a whole episode, and and maybe we'll do that in the near future. Right. Um, it's called
1: self care, but you know, right? You,
0: got... How can how can we s- still give of ourselves but maintain right. what we need to be happy, healthy? and able to continue to give what we give our students and, and find that work-life balance and find out where it is. Um, and, and being able to set the boundaries and set an appropriate boundary that works for both the school and yourself. Um, I I think we're going to definitely do an episode on that. Um, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to kind of pull back to yep. d- to the Designing, growth mindset design growth mindset lessons. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a rule. I am not gonna talk about mathematics. There are all oh. kinds. There are all kinds of resources out there for mathematics. I'm gonna plug one right now. Ucubed.org. It is a website set up by Joe Bowler. Um, all of, she has all kinds of different activities. She is working her way up through the grades. Um, I think she's currently sitting at f- finished sixth grade last time I checked, which was a couple months ago. So she probably has beyond sixth grade at this point.
1: Can you invite her so, on the show?
0: Oh, I'd love to get her on the show. I don't think we could pay her speaking fee though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay an apples. There you go. <laughs> apples in a basket we'll give them out to her but,
0: you know there again <laughs> talk about having to to set limits i'm sure she would love to come and spread her word as much as possible but she's got her teaching responsibilities and and all of that on on top on her plate in addition to running that that organization ucubed.org. so um, she needs some self-care so she needs some self-care <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's got a lot on the plate. She probably needs some self-care.
0: <laughs> so why don't we start off talking okay. about designing growth mindset lessons in okay. social studies? So I'd, like
1: to, I'd like to give an example of something that I did um, with my students. And this was a sixth grade class. Um, I wanted to... Make them more aware of themselves. It was a social studies, uh, sixth grade class. And what I did was I had the students learn about the heritage by, uh, finding out their own names and, uh, Help Tree. Like we did, re- we did plenty of research. Um, so for example, with me, I guess, uh, my last name is Bender, and I guess that's from, it's like Germanic and it, it, it means, I think it's a blacksmith thing. So there's like the certain, um, shields and, and heraldic, uh, things about your own name. And um, the reason why I wanted them to learn this was a social studies class and we were discussing, um, you know, things such as feudalism and, uh, European, uh, history. And, uh, I wanted them to look into their own history and their own ancestry. Um, because I wanted them to see what their own ancestors can achieve so that they too could, they can realize themselves that they're also capable of achieving um, the same kinds of things. Does that make any sense?
0: Absolutely. <coughs> we we re- really need to ha- engage these activities that the student is going to see value in and that the this, this student is going to pull something that they find useful and, and ties into their own life. So yeah, and in social studies, it's not always easy.
1: No, and it was good because it was engaging the students. They would go home and ask their parents, you know, what they knew about their ancestors, what they knew, you know, about their name and how how did they get their last name and. Uh, what does their last name mean? So there was a lot of sort of independent research going on. Um, they were really enjoying these activities. And additionally, when I had them look into the heraldry, I had them like draw their own shield, draw the shields that of their last name, you know, from their, from their research. And uh, they were very in- invested in that um, artwork. And it meant something to them personally, uh, which was great, too. It was a really great assignment. We took those shields and we um, put them outside our classroom on a bulletin board, and uh, they were very proud to display those. It was it was a really uh, wonderful activity, and um, I got to hear about my students and their you know their ancestors and things that their ancestors have done. You know whether they were immigrants or not, um, that sort of thing. You know whether their name was Italian or you know we got to. I, we got to explore lots of different things, um, you know. So I thought it was a great growth mindset because they were like, "Oh, oh, my, you know, my ancestor was hypothetically a king, you know, that's cool." <laughs> that, you know, those types of things. So,
0: yeah, it was great. absolutely. And you know, um, I remember my sixth grade social studies so well because we did activities like that, um, and there are, are actually a, two that, that spring to mind. We we pulled a Uh, medieval job out of a hat i remember to this day i was the falconer so i got so i got to live in the castle i got i got to (laughs) take care of you know an animal which was to me it was fantastic um and i got to attend the medieval dinner as an official guest and not have to serve the other people around me. So we actually had the townsfolk oh, wow. come in and serve the the people who lived in the castle uh food and we all made <laughs> we, like we all made a dish that would have I made like a barley stew and oh, and and it was so fun. Oh it was. That and was... and and memorable clearly because I remember vividly yeah. what mm-hmm. we did. You know and and you can talk about PBL all you want that was PBL before PBL was in vogue and it oh, was yes. and it was done in a in a way that was I think more PBL than most schools do PBL that's another episode we've got to cover is okay. um, appropriate PBL um we'll we'll make sure that we hit that so as well.
1: In this particular social studies class I had the students um I gave them titles, you know, I gave one a title <laughs> and uh he was lord and and um I said it's, I said how about if I said if I give you lands um, you know, we, you know, and the title, you know, is that good with you? And and he was like, yes, I, you know, I get to be a lord. And I said, okay, great, sign here. And then I said to him, <laughs> okay, now you have to fight in the Crusades. So you have to leave your lands and leave everything and go. And he's like, well, That's not fair. I'm like, well, I'm the I'm the queen. This is what I get to tell you what to do. You know, this is how it really happened. You have to go.
0: Right. Keep your diary, and and we'll talk about it as a class in in L A. <laughs> You know we're getting that yeah. nice cross uh curricular exactly. stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the beautiful things about um growth mindset lessons is mm-hmm. that they can really draw out and draw bleed into other subject areas and it mm-hmm. makes everybody's planning that much <clears throat>
1: Oh, yeah, but no, I was sir. able to incorporate ELA, like you say, with journals and also art with them uh, coloring in their own her- herald So,
0: you know, and one of my favorite things in ELA kind of borders on this. Um, I love to when I when I do get the chance to teach an ELA class, I love to um, do lit circles. And, you know, there again, one of yeah. my one of my favorite roles is the artful artist, the questioner and the connector. You know, mm-hmm. th- and they they kind of do that. They they go through and they they ask questions, and you would be so shocked at how deep of a question they can come up with if if they're properly trained how to ask a question. it, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like that's something that they should do naturally is ask a question. But they we need to make sure that we're teaching them how to ask those deep questions. And right, and
1: at the college level, they call it the Socratic, um, you know, the, the Socratic method, the Socratic, uh, where you know, they, they engage in discussion where they read something and then engage in discussion um, regarding it.
0: Right. Um, and it's all about creating that low floor but a high ceiling. You want to have every student be able to experience some success. So yeah. you, you set the bare minimum. For them and then you get shocked by how much deeper they go into it and that's um,
1: wonderful and, and and that that engaged deeper thinking is
0: e- really important every group of students where where you set them up with a low floor but have have the question be that if they answer that they're not quite satisfied mm-hmm. you know it's it's asking those questions um for for me, I, I know I promised I wouldn't talk about math, but I did a math modeling problem with mm-hmm. my group of students because it was something different. It was, it's not, I'm not going to say it was less rigorous. It was less standards based, but You're it was good. still a rigorous activity. I asked them, um, is it better to rent or own a house? And is it better to rent or own a car? And I explained, <laughs> and, and I said, these are. A yes, no answer is not acceptable. I need you to mm-hmm. tell me your thinking. I need you to do your own research. I'm not giving you the information. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not interested in whether mm-hmm. you think it's better to rent or own a house or rent or own a car. I'm
1: mm-hmm. interested
0: in how you arrive at your answer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was just blown away. Some of, these, some of the students who, for their English teacher, could, mm-hmm. would barely write a paragraph we're giving you mm-hmm. pages and pages of that's awesome analysis. Um, and I, I've, I actually, because received, they're
1: invested in it. And I like that too, because this is something they are going to have to think about later down the road.
0: Absolutely. And I, I actually had a parent um, who we had, we've, you know, sometimes we have difference of opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that was the case with this particular parent. And, that parent actually emailed me to thank, to thank me for giving her son that opportunity. Um, so it, 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 it not only built bridges with my students and, and got them thinking outside the box, but mm-hmm. it was something that um, what the, the parents saw the value to, and it wasn't about the standards. It was about what is something that this student is going to need. And I, I and need to know. And I think that is, if you start there, the rest of it's going to fall into place. Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, it sounds like they were very personally invested in the assignment and that's even better.
0: Absolutely. I, you can hug them. <laughs> I think that one's going in my scrapbook.
1: Oh yes. That's, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> a, I'm going to borrow that one.
0: <laughs> um, actually I get most of my uh, modeling examples From a website called SIAM. It's a math modeling competition that high schoolers can take part in. Um, And it's, there's all kinds of math modeling resources. Um, We were supposed to talk about math modeling today, but I think we're running out of time. Yeah, So I'm actually going to push that back uh, at some point. We're definitely going to talk about that. Um, So, today we talked about the the pit of learning and the, kind of the the learner's journey if you will we yeah. we uh, started with do or do not there is no try you know the teacher being listen this is a, a very tough example that i'm going to give you and you're going to have to work at it you know the kind of the the rebellion of of the te- of the students you know I, mm-hmm. I i i'm an engineer not a miracle worker <laughs> you know, that that kind of stage. Um, mm-hmm. And then we went to the beacons are lit. You know, the, the, the student has finally progressed enough on their own that they're starting to see some hope, that they're starting to be able to mm-hmm. move forward. Um, and, you know, f- and the goal is to get to the, then we'll fight in the shade um, <laughs> stage. Yeah. You know, I am so confident in this activity that I found so difficult before mm-hmm. that I can do it in my sleep. Bring it, let's go. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about a couple of specific cases where um, we we could implement growth mindset without doing a whole lot different in our classrooms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from social studies, just getting them to shift their mindset from learning facts and dates to what would it have actually been like. That and And we right. said several examples where I remember from my sixth grade, about yeah, fifteen years ago or so. Mm-hmm.
1: Oof, that hurts. <laughs> you didn't have to mention numbers, but you are a mathematician. <laughs> I, I am a numbers guy.
0: <laughs> but you know, remembering something from fifteen years ago as that, if it were—that's
1: how pivotal it was for you.
0: Yesterday, um, mm-hmm. and we, I didn't even get to talk about the kinds of things I did uh, with, when uh, Carol Rossi fries was my social studies teacher. New York state teacher of the year. Um, and, and so there was some fabulous um, lessons from, from that time period as well. Um, and we talked about ELA and just lit circles. If you are not doing lit circles in ELA, do it.
1: Do them, <laughs> Definitely do
0: it. It just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think our hour is up. Um, yep. and I'd like to thank you for listening um, our next recorded show is scheduled to come out on June 15th um, mm-hmm. feel free to join our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash teacher talk New York uh, that's all lowercase letters yeah.
1: um, and we'll be there as well to answer any questions um, and feel free to
0: Joe? Yep, feel free to write us um and yes. let us know what you want to talk about so far it's been uh two educators that want to spread the gospel but we're more than willing to talk about issues that you're having in your classroom and and ways to handle it and and pooling our resources to help you that's what this podcast yes, is all that's about
1: right that's right.
0: right we're here to help well and this is matt snyder signing off okay
1: this is rachel bender it's been wonderful